Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. After staring at screens all day, do you notice that your eyes start to feel fatigued? I know mine do, and I don't stare at screens nearly as much as other people. And in this episode, we're going to talk all about how to protect your eyes from all the screen time that we're having and different ways that you can make sure to keep your eyes as healthy as possible. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I help people to move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today, I have Dhruvan Patel on the show, who is an ophthalmologist who's going to tell us all about our eyes and what these different light sources and screens and everything similar are doing to our eyes over the long term. We also talk about how viewing these screens at a close distance impacts our ability for our eyes to adjust at different focal lengths. So it's very interesting. I personally don't know that much about eye health. So whenever I have an optometrist on the show, I love to ask questions and I just want to learn more about the eyes and figure out how to keep them as healthy as possible. But before we get started with this episode, our squat challenge for October, Squattober, starts tomorrow, October 1st. And in this challenge, you'll be doing 100 squats over 31 days in different feet positions every single day. This is a fantastic way to prep your legs for ski and snowboard season because you're going to be working on strength, endurance, and with the different feet positions, we're going to work on trying to prevent season-ending injuries. So now is the time. We're starting to get a little bit of snowfall. It's time to start preparing for that ski season if you enjoy those winter activities. So if you want to join, it's all donation-based. So whatever you can donate to the challenge goes directly towards NWAC, which is the Northwest Avalanche Center. Every single dollar goes directly to them. And they provide education, and they provide avalanche forecasts every single day during the main season. And they just do a lot of really good things over here in the PNW to make sure people can be as safe as possible and not get injured in the backcountry. So if you want to join the challenge, go to summitforwellness.com squat. Now, Dhruvan Patel, he is an optometrist and an entrepreneur, encouraging a healthier relationship with technology in the digital age. And he has built OcuShield, which is a medically rated product that helps to reduce our exposure to blue light from screens. And he talks about how it impacts our eye health and our overall quality of life. So let's dive into my conversation with Dhruvan. Thank you, Dhruvan Patel, for coming onto the show. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Of course, and I'm really excited to chat with you because we're going to be talking all about the eyes and our eye health. And I'll be honest, I don't know that much about the eyes and different ways to improve our the health of our eyes and the quality of our eyesight. So I'm definitely going to have a lot of questions about that. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about you and what is your background? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I reside in London, United Kingdom. Um, my The main part of my career and what I've been involved mostly has been to do with the eyes. And it started back in 2011, actually, where I started um, my undergraduate degree to study optometry, which is the profession of how to look after the eyes. And um, whilst, whilst uh, embarking on that amazing I guess, degree and learning all about the eyes and actually trying to qualify as a professional healthcare professional. Um, 
I, I was working on the weekends at a large opticians. You know, I think in America, you've got one called Grand Vision, you know, Walmart do opticians, et cetera. In, in the UK, it was called Vision Express. And um, on the weekends, the lead optometrist gathered, you know, she got the team together and said, hey, guys, we've got this new product for people that wear glasses. And she said it's a, a coating called Blue Control. And effectively, with people that have glasses that have this coating on their um, prescription eyewear, it will help them beat eye strain. And I was really naturally intrigued because I've grown up with my mom always telling me, don't look at screens, they're bad for your eyes. But, I, I, you know, she didn't really have an answer for it. So I was like, wait, is this the missing piece of the puzzle? So I ran back to the university the next week and I demanded that um, I wanted to do a research project around the topic. And somehow I got my way. So I, I researched how blue light affected the eye's physiology and circadian rhythms. And after that nine months of research, not only did I find that blue light from screens affected um, tired eyes, eye strain, visual stress, but it also made it harder for us to sleep by suppressing melatonin. So I said, wow, this are, these are massive, two massive pain points in the world. And um, I really wanted to take the technology that the glasses had and put it into something I could use because I don't wear glasses. So I didn't want to go and buy you know, th these prescription spectacles, for example. So my journey began to create a product, a specification, a material that could do this for consumers like myself. And I began, I, I set out on this journey to, to um, create products, which now has led to um, my company known as OcuShord. But in between that period, you know, I qualified as an optometrist and I was working for three years with large optician chains here known as Specsavers, Vision Express and Boots Opticians. Um, and that gave me the foundation in eye care to really help support what I'm doing now. So you mentioned blue light is a problem for the eyes. Is it, um, is it literally like the blue shade of color from the light that we're seeing that's causing it? Or is that just a specific term that you use? Yeah, so that's a very common misconception. Um, when we look at LED screens or any digital device screens we use, they're all, you know, 99% of them are LED screens. And the way the light is presented to us is actually at the point of manufacture, the bottom layer is something known as a UV slash phosphor LED. And it's a blue um, UV slash phosphor LED. And that, that light is turned into a white light. So obviously everything we see is generally white light. But in that, there's a spike in the blue light, which it doesn't have to be blue to the naked eye um so that that in a nutshell explains the different you know people usually get confused around is, is it really blue is it what you know that that's generally what's happening there and what is it specifically about the blue light that's the issue like does it mimic the sun or what is it about it yeah totally so if we um if we take it back to our kind of science science lessons at school when you're learning about the spectrum of light you know we all know about uv rays right we look at the spectrum on the left hand side you've got uv rays on the right hand side you've got infrared and radio waves and then in the middle you've got the visible spectrum of light so when we're talking about uv light that's usually zero to 400 nanometers and you might have seen this on sunglasses they usually have stickers where it says 400 uvs because it's blocking out the uv light from the sun um but what happens when you enter the visible spectrum of light at 400 nanometers the light that we supposedly can see is that purple slash blue light. So blue light is between 400 to 500 nanometers. Now, numerous research shows, you know, through epidemiological studies, which are either cohort studies or in vitro studies, which are studies in the lab, uh, it says actually short, acute bursts, and also long-term to blue light um, 
across the wavelengths. So without getting too technical, um, 380 to 450 nanometers. So crossing the UV and blue light spectrum is more detrimental to our eyes. Um, that's because cumulative exposure means that your eyes are working harder, but also there's a lot of aberrations with that light. It's a shorter wavelength light, and actually um, it causes more um, effect, negative effects to our eyes. And then when we look at 450 to 500 nanometers, that blue light is the blue light that affects our sleep. So there's actually different parts of blue light which affects our body in different ways. And even more so, you know, last year, October 2020, Unilever released some research on how blue light affects our skin. And they said actually 30 hours of exposure to blue light in front of screens increases skin inflammation by 40%. So that's effectively reduction in elasticity of our skin, which is effectively early aging. So there's lots of research coming out that, you know, blue light is detrimental. And it's not just from device screens. It does come from the sun. It comes from LED lighting around us. Um, and we've got to be cognizant of these different aspects. Um, but what's important is digital devices, we, they're handheld and they're closer to us, whereas lighting around us is indirect lighting. It's further away from us. So working distance and intensity is really important when looking at, you know, how to um, you know, shape your body to have the best day possible when it comes to, um, you know, different light exposures and how they affect the body. Yeah. So for the past, you know, couple years now, people have spent probably way more time on screens than we ever have in history. Uh, a lot of people are on Zoom calls or whatever type of video conferencing call that they might be on all day for work. Um, a lot of people are just sitting in front of computers now to do their work people who are bored or watching Netflix, whatever, and all of that is screen-related. So when we're being exposed to screens so much, what kind of impact is that having on our bodies and our eyes? Yeah, so I think when we're speaking about um, the topic blue light, um, you know, I read some research which showed actually during the pandemic, um, on average, working professionals who have to use computers for their work on average, they increased their daily screen time by 1.5 to 2 hours a day, which is a massive amount um, because not only were we using it for work, but also leisure. You know, we couldn't see loved ones. We had to FaceTime them, um, etc. But, yeah, when it comes to the screen time, I mean, when the eyes specifically, I think, you've, you know, as I mentioned before, working distance, a really good uh, a tip to try is if you hold your finger in front of your um, in front of your eyes and your nose and you actually bring your finger to the tip of your nose you'll start to feel your eyes come together now when you do that what's happening is your eyes are converging your eyes have to really work really hard to actually do that it, it seems easy when you're doing it for most people but imagine you're doing that for hours on the day right um, it's like when you go to the gym if you don't rest your muscles you're going to be exhausted that's why between sets you have a rest but when we're looking at screens normally 30 minutes, one hour, two hours, those, that time flies. And before you know it, you know, it's the afternoon, it's lunchtime, but your eyes haven't had a rest because they've been focused on a near point. And that near point uses that, you know, convergence. It also uses accommodation and your visual system gets drained. So you get that fatigue, which ties into um, headaches and tired eyes. And that's why you tend to rub your eyes at the end of the day or your mood is generally a bit lower because you feel heavy around the eyes. Um, so that's that's one important thing is that you know looking at screens is is something that's near to us and it requires a lot more um, you know strength from the visual system. And then secondly, the blue light also contributes to that. It also adds another layer. It's like again 
going to the gym, if you put another one kg on, 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 or one stone or something on one stone is probably a bit too much, but if you put, if you put a little, add a bit of weight on there, it's like blue light. It's another, it's another factor, which the cumulative exposure means that again, you're getting those tired eyes, the eye strain, the fatigue and the headaches. And that just makes it a really horrible experience for you to work. And what, ha- what we're seeing now is usually people in the evenings, um, they'll rest up and then what will happen next day, they feel fresh again and they can go again. But then towards the evening, they're feeling the strain. But if you're doing that five, six days a week, by the end of the week, you feel horrible because, you know, you're working these muscles and the visual system really hard. And um, what, what I always say to people, you know, using screens is remember the 20-20-20 rule, which is effectively every 20 minutes, look away for 20 seconds, at least 20 feet away. And when I say look away uh, 20 feet away, that's out the window, down the corridor, because you're refreshing the visual system. You're giving that visual system a break rather than converging at a near point. Um, and, and also, you know, it's just really good for the visual system. So that, that's a tip that I'd always uh, recommend to anyone. And um, if you have trouble remembering it, maybe put a post-it note on the, on the side of the screen or set an alarm. Um, but it's, it's always something that helps with fatigue around the eyes. Yeah, I definitely notice on days where I'm on my computer a lot more. So I'm staring at at the same focal distance the whole time, the whole time. Um, if I look out the window, like I'm doing right now, it takes my eyes kind of a split second to really kind of focus. Whereas when I'm not on my screen, so when we're out hiking and all that type of stuff, I can focus on stuff very quickly. So I definitely notice that there's a delay if I've been staring at screens all the time. I also notice that, um, uh, colors look different. So if I'm looking at kind of fake colors on a screen and then look outside, then the colors outside don't look as vibrant to me as what the screen would look like. But if I've been outside for a few days, then the the colors really start to pop for me as well. So I would imagine that it also is impacting our recognition of color tones by staring at screens too much. Yeah, it impacts us in, in, in so many ways. Um, so that that's why it's really important to um to, to give you know to be cognizant of the fact your eyes are doing something really really um you know it, it, it's using a lot of energy to, to do that so as you said it affects multiple things like color contrast and visual acuity so you know move the first example you get gave how it takes you a little bit longer from near to far actually if you if you ask people that are in their fourth fifth or sixth decade in life that that phenomenon actually takes them three times longer than it does to people of our age, you know, kind of late 20s, early 30s, because um, again, as we get older, like our muscles get weaker, the the accommodation aspect, convergence and accommodation of visual system is a lot weaker. And therefore for it to adjust from looking at a near point to far point takes even longer. So you start to feel those effects even more. So if you're someone that's older and using screens, you're also, you know, making that harder for yourself. So it's something to think about. It's, you know, as we're younger, the bodies can adapt and they're usually, you know, it's fine until, you know, you get to a point. But as as we age, the bodies will really be telling you that actually you need to be changing the way you're working. Yep. Yeah, I could also see, you know, when people are in the office, you might be working on your screen, but then you're getting interrupted by people coming into the office or you might be watching people as they walk around. So you're getting those different uh, distances. Whereas now, you know, all we see is people on a screen and it's the same distance from us all the time. 
Yeah, totally. That 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 has um, it's it's completely changed. And another thing that happens when we are looking at screens is, um, on a normal day to day, we 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 should be blinking fifteen to twenty times in a minute, but when we look at a screen, we only blink three to five times, right? And the blink is actually really important for our eyes because when we blink, we lubricate the f- front surface of the eye, which is the cornea. Now, when you're blinking less in you know, let's say a minute, which then compounds to an hour or more, what's happening is your eye, your, your tear film, um, it evaporates. And what happens then is you start getting dry eyes. It also affects the clarity of your vision, so you can't see well. And it's a knock-on effect. Um, so blinking is actually something that we don't control, but happens because it's a, some, you know automatic process within our bodies. But you can see you know, blinking three times in a minute versus the normal 17, 20 times is a massive difference. And over one hour, it's, 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 you know, it's very impactful. Interesting. So could you counteract something like that with um, taking eye drops or something to help with increased lubrication? You can, yeah, to an, to an aspect you can. Um, and you know what, I, re- I recommend it to people. I say, if you can get some over-the-counter preservative-free eye drops, um, use them four to five times a day once as you get up midday mid-afternoon evening and before you go bed um, and you know what people forget with eye drops is they may use it one day and then they'll forget to use them for the few days after and then they get dry eyes and oh let me use this again if you just be consistent with it, it actually helps a lot um, but fundamentally you're going to get that you'll feel the eyes will be refreshed for you know that acute hour after using the drop but you still start feeling the the dry eyes if you suffer from it um afterwards it's kind of a it's a, it's a kind of a band-aid so it does help um but you know you're still going to be blinking less <laughs> so is is all of our time spent on screens also impacting our uh long-term eyesight as well so like if you had 2020 vision and then all of a sudden you got into a job that required a lot of time on screens are you going to see a significant reduction in your eyesight quality? Yeah, so lots of research has come out after the pandemic that we're seeing now so many more children be- becoming myopic, which is farsighted. They need, they now need glasses to see far away. And what has fueled this is they've been um, home learning. So they've been using iPads. Um, like in the UK, for example, the government sent out tablets to all you know children homes to for them to learn from. Um, and yeah, the, the the studies have shown that actually this has caused a big um, epidemic of myopia of children needing glasses. So we know the correlation there is again if you're using devices or something close up where you're having to focus compared to children being outdoors running around again, you know, normal day to day looking at different focal points is um you know really important so that is one key thing we've learned in the in the recent pandemic which there was already research for before but now it's solidified it and um i encourage all parents to make sure their kids are getting enough time outside um and just to add to the the children part when it comes to blue and uv light actually that the, the child's eye doesn't develop fully until their teenage years and what this means is actually they are more susceptible to blue light damage because the lens in the eye doesn't develop. And the lens is what absorbs most UVC um, and some blue light out there. So actually, children, you know, combined with them home learning, growing up in a decade of the digital, sorry, in one or two decades of the digital age, 
we, we are still it's so early we're still there, there hasn't been any longitudinal studies on how screen time and blue light will affect us after four or five decades you know we've got early research which shows that you know it's probably not good but it's not enough for people to stop you know banish <laughs> devices or whatever but um there's there's definitely significant research which shows you know we should be putting in things in place which um consumers are aware about parents are aware about because the children might um be affected later in life and you asked about eye diseases and um something called macular degeneration a risk factor is blue light so people that have a lot of blue light exposure even from the sun devices throughout their lifetime are more likely to suffer from macular degeneration which is an eye disease which affects the central part of your vision you know if you suffer from this eye disease you'll effectively have a black hole in the middle of your um, vision you know it's a, it's a horrible disease and you're visually impaired or partially sighted or blind um, from this disease and actually it's a disease that you only have in your sixth seventh or eighth decade in life but if children are having such a bad start from the blue light damage from a young age and then as they get older you know what what i predict in the future is instead of macular degeneration occurring in the later years of life people will start getting it earlier maybe you know in their fourth or fifth decades of life because of the way we've changed our living and you know how the children's eye structures are and biology and their day-to-day lives is there good screening processes to assess uh what kind of damage we're doing to our eyesight by being on these screens all the time like in the last year is when I started noticing the transition from a screen to looking out the window, taking that slight little um, uh, split second to really focus. And part of me is like, you know, is that the screen or is that me starting to age a little bit? Um, so I know like a lot of this stuff is happening slowly over time. And then you start paying attention to, oh, that's a little different compared to what it used to be. So is there screening processes that allow us to catch this early on even if we haven't quite noticed it ourselves yet but to be able to know that okay we are causing some issues to the eyes yeah i mean in short unfortunately there's nothing you can probably do in in a home setting which you can screen effectively to say actually this has affected me to this level um what i suggest is if you go to an eye doctor an optometrist regularly you know every year and ask them to check your visual acuity your need for any prescription your ocular motor balance so that's the ability for your eyes to look in multiple directions um you know your pupil reactions um that's you know if you really want to challenge them there's something called critical flicker fusion frequency so that's the ability for you to see a flickering light versus a non-flickering light and usually in a minute you can you know you can see um the difference between the two about 40 times in a minute but if your eyes are fatigued or you know they're struggling you'd only be able to do it like 10 times in a minute so that is a potential screening aspect but you know it means finding one of those tests online or something um but i always recommend you know go to an eye doctor they'll be able to tell you those changes um that that your eyes are having um so yeah see them regularly speaking of flickering light uh, LED flicker is a lot more than stuff like fluorescent lighting, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And uh, how is that impacting? Does that make a difference in the impact on our eyes? Those different types of light sources. Yeah, so I mean, our, our eyes are very clever systems. I mean, 
even if something's flickering, it you know your visual system puts it together. If it's flickering at a fast refresh rate, um, then it can put it together. So you probably used your phone when you recorded like a TV or a screen, and on your phone it's flickering. But when you're looking at it, it's not flickering. It's because your eyes are so advanced, they can piece it together frame by frame. But your phone is like struggling to catch up because the refresh rate of a screen is, um, you know, is, is too low effectively for it to pick up. Um, so that, that, that's also, that's all happening in terms of the flickering. And I think with flickering, you know, your eyes, your eyes are okay with it. I think if you can see the flickering, like a genuine flickering, which is happening to the naked eye, then that's bad, right? If you can't see any flickering, then it's fine, but your visual, visual system can adapt to it. Um, but generally if you're, if your screen or anything TV is flickering, one, it tells you you need a new, new monitor and two, um, yeah, it's not going to be good for your eyes at all. Those are LED monitors from 1925. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can see the flicker. Um, now, you know, I'm sure you've heard of red light therapy and all that type of stuff. A lot of people use that for skin uh, rejuvenation and uh, whatnot. Can you also utilize that for eye rejuvenation? Um, good question. Um, I think when it comes to the eyes, they're very sensitive to different types of light. Um, I think red light therapy you know, there's lots of research that helps with the skin. Um, when it comes to the eyes, I'm yet to, um, you know, see any, any for myself, in my professional opinion, um, positive ways we can use red light to, you know, um, prevent any eye diseases or improve eyesight or whatever. You know, I don't, I, I'm not too sure if that, if that's even a thing, but at the moment for the eyes, it's, it's definitely something that, yeah, I wouldn't recommend shining any red light into your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I know Ayurveda had an old practice where you would stare at um, a candlelight for like 10 minutes. Um, and that was supposedly to help improve your eyes. And I don't know if there's any val validity in that, but <laughs> I thought that was interesting. If well, that it, would uh, help balance out blue light exposure. It's it's definitely safer than looking at a, a source of blue light because the candle is a very red, you know, it's on the other side of the spectrum, not, not close to UV light. It's the other side of the visual spectrum. And it's it's a longer wavelength of light so it's a lot safer for the eyes um so you can look at it but as i said it's not you know you're not going to really it's not going to it's not being shown to help improve eyesight or or protect it in, in any way but it's definitely safer than any other type of colored light for example so as we continue dealing with blue light what are some good strategies and ways that we can mitigate our exposure to the blue light yeah so nowadays i think there's multiple options um i think if you use an apple device or a monitor there's you know software out there which limits blue light you know if you type in blue light filter you should be able to download a free app um but you know i, I was one of those consumers that used that but what really annoyed me was your screens turn orange um you know software changes the color on your screen to limit that you know blue light exposure um so you tend not to use it during the day because if you imagine looking at spreadsheets or emails, it can be a pain if everything's orange and everything, especially in the evening, if you're on Netflix or you're <laughs> watching a movie again, you know, if something's, if someone's face is looking a bit um, tinted retro orange, it's not going to be enjoyable. So, you know, I think um, another solution is for example, products that I, I invested and researched time into with OcuShield is, you know, our screen filters limit the spike of harmful blue light, but it, la it still creates a crystal clear picture. So effectively in the background, it's working invisibly to 
remove that blue light, but you get to still enjoy what you're doing on the screen. Um, so physical products filters are another option. Um, also glasses. So if you do wear glasses, um, you can go to your opticians and they can add a coating. What I would say is the coatings only limit up to 19% of the harmful blue light. And, you know, if I benchmark it against Ocusual products, on average, it's at least 40% of the harmful blue light we reduce. Um, so it's almost double. So I'd say, you know, reducing it is better than not reducing it, but also be, you know, aware of aware of that fact. Um, so I'd say that those are the kind of three main ways I'd mitigate blue light. And I mean, lastly is, you know, reduce your time, look, you know, around blue light exposure if you can. But if you can't, you've got those interventions to help. Yeah, so uh, with OcuShield, do you have, um, you you were mentioning to get rid of like that orange glow, like what the software on phones and stuff does. Do you have specific software for devices as well? Or are you wearing um, like the blue light blocking type glasses or what, what kind of products do you have over there? Yeah, sure. So we don't, we, we deal with hardware only, not software. So our core products are medically rated screen filters so i'll give example for so the iphone 13 is launching very soon so it's a tempered glass product so it protects your screen at the same time but it also has pigmentation within the glass itself which absorbs the harmful blue light and also anti-reflective and anti-blue light coatings on there to deflect that harsh blue light as well um and then for monitors and laptops we have a a plastic a film which goes over monitors to do the same thing Interesting. Okay. And then uh, does the blue light also impact circadian rhythms? So if you're not filtering it in any way and you're staring at screens at night, is that going to cause you to struggle with getting to bed and get adequate sleep? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what's important is when our sun sets, um, usually a hormone called melatonin is produced to get the body for it ready for bed. It gets you in a kind of a sleepy state. Now what happens is usually during the day, melatonin is kept at bay because the sun is, you know, um, emitting lots of blue light and that stops melatonin from being produced. So it's suppressing that melatonin. So by using digital devices, you're effectively replicating the sun in your hand. And therefore, if you're trying to look to go to bed after you've just used a, a screen, you're going to be tossing and turning because your body doesn't have that hormone at high level, which is effectively telling your body it's ready to bed. You'll have high levels of cortisol instead. So your circadian rhythm gets um, messed up acutely. You struggle to sleep. And when you do get to sleep, your quality of sleep is poor. And it's a knock-on effect your next day after as well. You know, your energy levels are low. You're struggling. So with sleep, it's massive. It's a really massive issue. And what I would say is um, everyone is sensitive to blue light in different levels. So you might have someone that says, oh, I use a device right up until I go to bed and sleep fine. That's great. You know, there, there are people out there that it just does not impact in the same way. But there's people that will use a, a screen or a blue light source, you know, straight after sunset, maybe four hours before they go to bed. And they, may, they might be really impacted by it because their body is so sensitive to it. So I always say it's individual to every person. Um, so find out how, how things impact you in your day-to-day -day life. So using something like the OcuShield, would that help improve the circadian rhythm and the impact of the blue light on our circadian rhythm? Yeah, so OcuShield is made to, to filter out that harmful blue light, which affects the suppression of melatonin. 
So again, if you're someone that can't stay off your screens, having an OcuShield will help alleviate some of that reduction in melatonin. So, you know, it's a tool that's there for people. Um, and let's face it, a lot of us can't, you know, stop using screens up until bed. And it's something that we have to, um, you know, we have to have an intervention in some way to, to help. Perfect. Are there any final things that you want to make sure that we cover when it comes to eye health, blue lights, and all that type of stuff? Um, yeah, what, what I would say is, you know, your eyes eyes are very precious. You know, when, when people ask what sense would they least like to lose, it's usually they say their eyes. But we we really don't look after our eyes, you know, unless we visually see there's a problem. We're like, right, we're going to book in for our eye exam. So I would say have regular eye exams because you can pick up actually tumors um you can pick up cancers in the eyes and these are things that will be asymptomatic you won't even know are there but through um seeing your eye doctor you can pick that up so look after your eyes because they do say your eyes are the soul the window to your soul so you know very important organs of your body um but yeah just getting people to be more conscious about their eyes and letting their their lives thrive by looking after their eyes was when you look after your eyes, you look after so much more. It's not just, you know, the eyes themselves. Perfect, Druven. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. People can find out more about the products that you have at OcuShield.com. You're also over there on Instagram and LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else that you want people to go and find out more about you? Um, well, we actually recently went on to the UK's version of Shark Tank. So if you... Go oh. into YouTube and search Dragon's Den. It's a program. Yeah, they don't have sharks, so they have dragons. <laughs> but if you type in Dragon's Den OcuShield in YouTube, you'll see how we uh, we pitched in front of the five dragons. And uh, luckily, there wasn't a coffin fit uh, involved then. Um, so I, I think it went down well. But I'd love for, for all the listeners to tune in and have a look at that as well. Perfect. Well, we'll definitely put those down in the show notes as well. Thank you, Dhruvan Patel, so much for coming on to the show and talking to us about uh, what screens are doing to our eyes, especially since we're all on them all the time now. So thank you so much. No, real pleasure, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. I learned quite a bit of information on how our screen time is really impacting our eyes. And I definitely notice when I'm staring at a screen for a good chunk of the day, when I try to look out in the distance, it takes my eyes a like a half second to a second to really adjust and start to see details from far away. So I definitely know my experience with these screens is definitely impacting my eye health in the long run. And I don't know what it's going to do over the next 20 years. So hopefully different products like OcuShield can help protect my eyes so that I don't have too many issues as I age. Now, if you want to learn more about OcuShield, go over to OcuShield.com and you can see some of the products that he has over there. Remember, starting tomorrow is our squat challenge where we're doing 100 squats every single day for the month of October. And every single day we are doing the squats in different feet positions. This is to help build endurance and strength for our legs for the upcoming ski and snowboard season and to prevent season-ending injuries. So if you want to join, it's all donation-based. Just head on over to summitforwellness.com squat, and you can submit however much you want to donate to join in the challenge. But get started tomorrow. Tomorrow's the very first day, so make sure you head on over there right away. Next week, I have Dr. Amber Krogsrud on the show. Let's go learn who she is and what she does.
I am here with Dr. Amber. Hey, Dr. Amber, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Yeah, well, I'm very musical. I actually was on the fence between pursuing music and medicine, and I chose to pursue medicine. So here I am as a naturopathic doctor, but I still love music, all forms of it, play a lot of instruments. What's your favorite instrument? I play a lot of guitar, piano, but guitar is my favorite. And what will we be learning about in our interview together? Yeah, so we're going to be discussing peptide therapies, how they can be used therapeutically to improve athletic recovery, deep sleep, cognitive focus, better skin, and so much more. So we'll talk about the history of peptide therapy, what they are, how you can use them, and some of the main, main uses, some of the main peptides that I use therapeutically in practice. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? I love polyphenols, flavonoids. We know how powerful those nutrients are for our cells. So think about berries, think about red cabbage, kale, green tea, turmeric, all of the bright colored foods that really transform our energy and protect our cells from aging faster. They really repair the cell as we age. So that's that's one of the things I really focus on. And bone broth is one of the other things that I drink on a pretty much daily basis for healing that gut lining. It has a lot of those amazing proteins. I get the one that's really high in protein, about 20 grams of protein uh, in a container. And then of course, uh, I love consuming greens, which are high in vitamin K. Many people uh, do not get that nutrient unless they supplement with it. So uh, a lot of those leafy greens we know have not only uh, some of those flavonoids, some of those really protective compounds, but vitamin K as well. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Optimize your deep sleep. <laughs> Working on sleep is probably the highest yield thing that you could do in terms of feeling better, improving hormone production, brain function, skin, everything, immune function, it happens in our sleep. So that's a huge one. Peptides can help, but there's so many other factors in, in medicine. We look at melatonin levels and how humans are sensitive to light. Sleep is really, really key. The second thing is focusing more on the fascia and the lymph system. These are often forgotten in medicine, I think they're really the secret threshold behind many long-term health issues, especially those myofascial or muscular-related pains. Chronic pain is such an epidemic right now. And so how do we move our lymph? It's this detox system of the body, but it's through, it's through movement. It's through uh, foam rolling, jumping on a trampoline, running. Um, you can put your feet up against the wall as a way to help lymph massage is really phenomenal. So really we're sitting all day long at many of, for many Americans, we're just not getting that movement in the body. And so we get uh, our fascia gets all kind of tight and our lymph also doesn't drain well. And this is a just as important detox as anything. And then the third thing is really the importance of water. So I filter my water 
Uh, I have a reverse osmosis system. I add minerals back in my water. I add electrolytes every single morning to really facilitate my cells in absorbing that water and nourishing the cell with water. So water is just an exposure that we have every day. And uh, we want to really want to make sure we're drinking something that is quality because most of our body is made of water. What minerals do you add back in? Ooh, yeah, I have this trace minerals. Uh, so it's like magnesium, uh, what else is in there? Potassium. It's, it's essentially like an electrolyte. I also have a plant minerals, uh, trace minerals. They're the company that makes it all, but I just add about a tablespoon back in. And then there's another company called Quintin that makes this hypertonic solution that is just seawater that has these natural minerals in the sea that you that you can drink in the morning and that's been really really phenomenal it's just focusing on hydration just drinking water isn't usually enough for most people to actually get the water into the cell when you're doing that uh what'd you say a tablespoon of the trace minerals is that how much of that or what size container is that? I guess is a question I'm asking. Tablespoon yeah. to how many ounces? So about 32 ounces. Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty substantial dilution. So I'll put it in a water bottle. I'll drink it in the morning, usually a scoop of electrolytes, some of the trace minerals, and uh, really, really phenomenal. The thing about reverse osmosis is that it really pulls out all those minerals. So it's important to add it in back in when you use that sort of filtration system. Uh, reverse osmosis removes most of the contaminants that would be in city water. Like my water in Los Angeles is so contaminated. Oh, there's like 20 different compounds that are above, way above the normal limit that cause, you know, hormone imbalance, infertility, all these carcinogenic potential. So it's really important to filter it. And then I like to add those minerals back in. Uh, Linus Pauling had this quote that said, every disease is linked to a mineral deficiency. And we know that our bodies, our cells run on, on minerals. And those electrolytes, I find that many people may be drinking a lot of water, but they don't have any electrolytes or minerals to really pull it into the cell. Peptide therapy is definitely interesting to me. It's one of those up and coming uh, medical procedures that I find fascinating, and I think there's a lot of potential in there to impact our overall health. And she discusses a lot of different ways that we can use peptides to increase different parts of our health. So uh, until next week, keep climbing to the peak of your health.